welcome to the show. Today we'll be talking about several different aspects of COVID-19, including long-term care homes and refugee camps. We will be right back in a moment with the show. And welcome back. Trudeau today has announced a brand new program to help students. Uh, he announced uh, the uh, summer work program and the subsidies would be up to 100% of minimum wage in each province and so on a couple weeks ago. That program was expected to help about 70,000 students. However, student groups have been pressuring Trudeau to actually put in um, some way to actually replace the income that a lot of students are losing. Uh, a lot of students work in the summertime to save money for their tuition and the room and board and so on when they go to college or university in the fall. Right now, we have very high unemployment and there's very few jobs available for adults who need jobs, never mind uh, students who are also looking for jobs, as we are still in our stay-at-home point in this COVID-19 pandemic. However, what they have announced today is, um, it's literally just came in, is there's gonna be $9 billion in financial aid for students. And what that actually means is, students are gonna be able to apply, similar to the, uh, the CERB benefit, Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, that was for people who are working who lost uh, their income because of COVID-19. This is similar, you'll also apply through the Canadian Revenue Agency. And what this program will do is it will pay students $1,250 a month from May through to the end of August. However, if the student is looking after uh, someone that they have to take care of who either has COVID-19 or they're taking care of someone for another reason, uh, or if the student has a disability, they will get $1,750 uh, in terms of um, help from the federal government during this time. Now, student groups had been pressuring Trudeau uh, for over a week now that there was no real help for students because uh, you couldn't apply for CERB uh, unless you had lost uh, your job due to COVID-19 and you also have had to have made $5,000 in the last year. Uh, if you were a student and you weren't working when it happened, I mean, you were still in school. When we went into lockdown in March, all of the college and university students were still in school. They hadn't started their summer jobs yet. Uh, and they also might not have necessarily made $5,000 either. So they, did, they didn't qualify the pro for um, any parts of that program uh, unless they lost their job due to COVID-19 and they made more than $5,000 in the last 12 months. This program here is meant to replace that. Now, $1,250 is not enough to save up for your tuition for the fall. However, it's at least something to help students get through this difficult time. Uh, they didn't announce if you could still kind of work during that program and make a little bit of money because they did make a change to the CERB program where you can make up to $1,000 uh, but still qualify for the CERB benefit. Now, something very interesting was just approved uh, in the States and it is a home testing kit for the COVID-19. It's made by a company called LabCorp and it's called the LabCorp COVID-19 rt PCR test. What it does is it uses a nasal swab, a nasal swab that comes with it. They're, they're, they're being very specific here that you don't use uh, a cotton swab or anything like that. So in other words, each test kit you can do one test with. You can't you know, use one of those Q-tips to do additional tests um, because there's something special on the swab, obviously, to be able to uh, get what it needs. Uh, it's a nasal swab that you put up your nose 
gets the uh, mucus that it needs, you then put it into the, into the test kit and you get a result. Now, this will be available shortly uh, in the US. Uh, we haven't heard if it's going to be available in Canada yet, but I'm sure that it's probably going through the approval process now. And the way it works is you still need to go to a doctor and get a doctor's order for the test. Uh, and then you can use the test at your house without having to go to a testing center or going to the hospital. This is good because it'll help stop the spread uh, by people going from their house to a testing center and back. And hopefully that this test will be available in the next few weeks. LabCorp has said that they're rolling the test out and that it should be available within the next uh, two to three weeks. The doctors will be able to order that test for people and you'll be able to do the test at home in the States. Hopefully something similar will happen here in Canada. Now, something that uh, I've touched on in the past uh, about COVID-19 is various uh, groups of society where the coronavirus can spread rapidly. Uh, I've talked about jails, I've talked about long-term care homes and retirement homes, uh, and we are seeing a big, big uh, outbreak in long-term care homes, both here in Canada, the US, and in Europe as well. But one thing we haven't talked about is refugee camps. A lot of these refugee camps are just tents and there are, they're just jammed in and they're crowded and there's not the sanitary uh, things that we have, such as running water and soap, uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, quite often these refugee camps also use well, for, uh, well water as well. So that's something we haven't talked about, but it's something that's becoming serious. And the reason being is um, they, they just don't have the testing there. The UN has sent some tests out, uh, but there's been less than 200 total tests across the globe in refugee camps so far. Uh, and to put this into perspective, there's about 70 million refugees right now, uh, and they've done less than 200 tests. Uh, the world's biggest um, refugee camp um, has had no positive tests yet, which is good, but they've only the problem with that refugee camp, it's in uh, Bangladesh, is that after they do the test, to get the result, it has to, the, your test tube that, it's, um, that they do the nasal swab in has to travel 400 kilometers in a war-torn country to get to the testing center, and then the results have to come back. Um, that is, as you can imagine, a logistical nightmare, uh, and it is one of the reasons why they haven't even done a single test in that uh, refugee camp. Uh, refugees who are living in developed countries, such as Italy, Germany, uh, Australia, Greece, um, they have already tested positive. Um, now, those are refugees who are living in hotels and so on, similar to what we have here in Canada, uh, where we've accepted, for example, Syrian refugees here, and they live in hotels and motels, um, and they're testing positive, uh, in Europe anyways, in those uh, hotels where they're housing refugees. Um, there is um, also um, some refugee camps have been around so long that they've actually built apartment blocks and have paved roads. Uh, those refugee camps have slightly better facilities than most. Most refugee camps are clusters of tents and abandoned buildings, and up to 20 to 30 people could live in one of those tents together. So you can imagine what it would be like if one person in one of those in, in, the, in a tent gets it, and then it just spreads like wildfire, not only through the tent, but through the entire refugee camp. Um, and various organizations, such as Doctors Without Borders, are warning about the possible human catastrophe there, because it's just, there's no way to actually stop it. 
the way we can here, uh, where we can say, stay in your house, don't go out. Because when you say stay in your tent, you're possibly in that tent with 30 other people. Um, they're trying to, to build ICUs, uh, and I use that term loosely, and ventilators. But for example, um, in the largest refugee camp in the world, they have 98 ventilators. Um, to put that in perspective, um, there's a hospital in Chicago who is actually, the doctor there came from Syria uh, and knows what it's like to um, work in one of those refugee camps. He has more ventilators in his own ICU than they do in that entire refugee camp in Bangladesh that is, has tens of thousands of people living in it. Um, so it, it's, it's a very serious issue um, that is being looked at. Uh, the UN is trying to get involved, but as you can imagine, uh, it's very hard to get testing kits right now because everybody wants them and the developed countries can pay for them. Whereas if you're in a refugee camp in Syria, uh, there's, there's no one to pay for those actual test kits uh, unless they come from the UN or from a non-governmental organization that works with refugees. Now here in Ontario, we have uh, 510 new cases of COVID-19 and 37 more deaths today. That brings our total cases up to about 1,200, uh, sorry, 12,245 cases. However, there is an important statistic today that is actually good news out of these numbers. 6,221 people have recovered from COVID-19. This is the first time that people recovered has been more than half of the people who have tested positive in total for the virus. That's another positive sign that we are uh, starting to flatten the curve and hopefully uh, in the next little while that curve will now start going back down. This is the other thing too with this virus is we have to look at um, long-term care homes. Uh, and right now we have outbreaks in over 100 long-term care homes here in the province. Uh, and we're also um, seeing no uh, flattening of the curve in long-term care homes. What we are seeing is that in the general population, uh, we are flattening the curve there. Now, uh, just to look at the ages of people who have died. Of people who are ages 80 and over, we have had 441 people die in that age group. Uh, from those between the ages of 60 and 79, we've had 181 people die. Uh, and then people between the ages of 40 and 59, there's been 36 people, and we've had one person under the age of 40 between 20 and 39 uh, die of COVID-19. So most of the people who are dying are over the age of 80, and then fall right behind them are people in their 60s and 70s. Hopefully we will be able to stop the outbreaks in the long-term care homes, but right now, uh, they're trying to figure out how to do that. One of the things they have done is saying that you can only work in one long-term care home. You can't have multiple jobs in different long-term care homes to try and stop the spread from one home to another. We'll be right back after the break. Thank you for watching The Chris Oldcorn Show. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can, at Chris Oldcorn. You can also listen to the audio version of this as a podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. I will see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on Special Report. Have a fantastic evening.